Uh, let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, for this day, uh, this morning, for your word in John, um, for continuing your word uh, in this series. We give you thanks and ask, as ever, um, but this day in particular, that you would divide us, the part of us, uh, the flesh from the spirit, uh, through your living word and allow it to work on us in a fresh and needed way for the sake of your Son, um, the Word made flesh. Amen. Um, uh, only two more weeks, this week included, in this series. Next week will be the uh, uh, John 17, noteworthy. It's, it's uh, Jesus prays for the world, for, uh, well, for himself, his disciples, and the world. What's usually called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Don't know yet where we're going to go with that, but that will... Uh, That'll conclude this short series. Actually, that's not next week. Next week's the marriage retreat. I'll be on that, and then so in two weeks, um, we'll conclude this series. In uh, in John, um, words from the end of the world. I'm gonna go a long time with this. Uh, uh, sort of the end of the world, um, sort of in a revelation sense. That's that's intended. Uh, words from the end of the world as we come to the end of ourselves through some some sort of uh, block or uh, personal issue um, that's intended but what I hope will be an increasing word uh, the word from the end of the world where Christ already is he's already there waiting he's already there waiting and receiving us in his mercy and his grace saying um, I had it the whole time I had it the whole time and I was here um, I'm not disappointed uh, I'm already here um, so that that emphasis as well and from the end of the world um, we'll go about two-thirds of the way through if time measures correctly with a little bit of British humor. Um, a duo that I've used before, Mitchell and Webb. I don't know what they do on the BBC, but, but um, picking them up. Again, I showed, showed a clip from them, I don't know, months ago. I don't know what, what it was. But we're in John 16. I looked for the Bibles today and with Lent uh, taking over the chapter room. I'm not sure where they are, so apologies again that we don't have that. But I'll... Uh, I'll read it if you have it on your phone or whatever. More and more people do. Um, you can pull it out. We'll be in John 16. Um, let's go ahead and start there. I'm just going to start with the text, and then we'll back up and do do some uh, some observation. So the first half, in fact, of John 16. Um, John 16 and the end of 15. We didn't go too far into this last week. But this is where the greatest... Um, Teaching, you could certainly say the initial teaching in terms of the, the, the order of the New Testament, the, the longest and most significant teaching on the Holy Spirit is introduced. Um, John's got a very, you would, you know, pretty robust theology um, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, he's called in different translations the helper or the comforter um, or the, uh, 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 what's the other one? I guess those two, the helper and the comforter. It's a, it's a neat word. I like it. And some of the attorneys in here will, will have it. It's a legal word, paraclete. Some of us are even familiar with that word. It's a John Riddle word. I know he uses that a lot. Uh, and it's good to break that down. Kleo is the word for uh, to call in para, which was a word prefix that we do, do use a lot, just to come alongside. And so quite literally, it's the one who's called alongside. It's an advocacy role. It's a... It's a uh, in the British tradition, for instance, as attorneys are called counselors. It's that, that I'm coming alongside of my client to, uh, to serve them with resources that I have that, that they do not, but which they desperately need. There's all of that and more that's contained 
in this word that's called the helper, and I think that's too weak a word because of our own contemporary connotations with that. Comforter, comforter to me is a pink word, and it shouldn't be. Um, the root there is fortis, strength, you know, as in a fort, a mighty fortress. Fortis is my God. Um, it's the strengthener. Now there's a, you know, maybe it's my own sort of testosterone awry. Um, but there's a stronger word calling the, the Holy Spirit a strengthener rather than a comforter, rather than sort of a there, there. It's going to be fluff. It's going to be okay. Let me let me cushion it for you rather than let me um, empower you, that dunamis power. I, don't, I didn't mean to go through all these sort of words, but for those who are in my classes a lot, you know, so these are some of my, my go-to words, dunamis, New Testament word for power, with your dynamite, which I love that explosive aspect, um, that expulsive aspect, where the Holy Spirit, who will come with us with power, that expulsive power, uh, strengthens us in that paracleo, that paraclete role, that comforter, that strengthener, that helper, that advocacy role. Um, all of that is right here in the latter half of John 15 and 16. Um, it's where we get that. It's where we hear about the, the, the helper, the paraclete, the advocate who will come as Jesus leaves. And in fact, Jesus has to leave so that he will come. Um, and so we're going to get into some of that and see where it comes, uh, where, where, where we end up. So that's a preface to John 16. We'll read 1 through 15. Um, I have said all these things. And so he's, he's backing up in his dis- discourse starting in, in chapter 14. So I've, I've said all this in chapter 14, 15 uh, uh, to you. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. And we're going to look at that word at length uh, later. To keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I, but if I go, I will, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I have seen, I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take, the Holy Spirit, will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore, I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. It's really thick there at the end. I find John so redundant as to be difficult. Um, uh, Trying to pull that out a little bit, and really going to spend a lot of time in the first verse, in fact. Um, Before I do, any comments on that? Any questions? I know it's hard to hear. Um, It's hard for us to hear and and begin to absorb it. Um, But any, any initial thoughts?
Well, here's a little bit. We'll go back in um, and, and then pick it apart some. Uh, kind of set the drama a little bit because there's a there's a there's a dialogue that's going on, even though Jesus is the only one speaking. Um, uh, the dialogue is Jesus's, you know, sort of omniscience, you know, heavily at work, where he knows what the disciples are thinking. He knows their thoughts. Um, uh, remember, he is God. I know your thoughts before they're on your tongue. Um, but even more than that, <laughs> like like most of us could, I think he's probably reading some of their body language. Uh, two chapters ago, it was. Thomas in John 14 um, says, Lord, where are you going and we'll follow you? He says, don't you yet know? I am the way and the truth and the light. And he goes through all that. Well, now he's coming in and he says this strange thing. None of you are asking, where are you going? Probably because they're just sort of stilted. They're completely stupefied. They're fearful. He's sitting here throwing these bombs out like, uh, indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you. And they're like, that wasn't an if. That when whoever kills you, know, those kinds of things. He's sort of laying on them, and they're afraid. The fear factor, the barometer, is going up and up and up. And he can see that, and we can see that. We should, even to um, you know, a, a, a fraction of, of their experience, feel something similar, I think. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They, the world, words from the end of the world, they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. They will do these things. They will do these things because they have not known the Father or me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, everybody will have their hour in the sun, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you, that I told them, that you may remember that I told them to you, that I told you it was going to happen that way. So just picking apart the first four verses. We'll probably spend a good part of our day here, in fact. Um, I think I'm going to start from the back and go forward. Ended up with this word, falling away, which is a really interesting word. Uh, All will have their day. And Jesus is taking some pains to tell the disciples what is going to happen. Um, For whatever reason, he wants to let them know that I'm going away. Um, I need to be uh, at the hands of, of others. I will be beaten and, and crucified, but on the third day I will rise again. He's done all that. Now they're starting to get it, and the, 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 the blood pressure is rising. But he wants to let them know. And the key variable here seems to be knowledge of him. He kind of lays it out in sort of a, a poll of those that know him and those that don't. Um, and they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. Somehow that, that intimacy, that knowledge, which is given to the Holy Spirit, um, that's the dividing line. Um, he's not letting them off the hook at all. And yet at the same time, he seems to be saying, look, this is the way it is. This is how it operates. This is the way it's going to go down. The skill, no, it's not a skill. The gift, the burden, the burdensome privilege given by the Holy Spirit to those uh, called is the gift and the burden of the knowledge of God, uh, which will result in hatred by the world. The gift and the burden and the privilege of a theologian, of one who knows God. That's what that means. It's not, it's not degrees. It's, it's just one who knows God. J.I. Packer's knowing God sort of idea. Um, the one who knows God, a lover of God, 
will be granted the burdensome privilege of sharing in Christ's crucifixion. This is heavy, obviously, because Christ is, is laying it out there and preparing uh, them and us for our deaths. Uh, indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. They will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Putting all that now in a context beneath this, this word at the end of, of the first verse. I have said all these things. He's trying to put a, put a big sort of summary on a, a sort of a macro view. I have said all these things to keep you from falling away. That word falling away, uh, it's scandalizo, scandal, scandalous. Um, uh, it appears in the New Testament pretty often. Um, I looked and I can't remember, it's 40-something times. It's what's sometimes called a stumbling block, as in we preach Christ crucified, um, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks coming out of 1 Corinthians. Um, John used it earlier in his own gospel, uh, uh, sort of the division point when he is the I am the bread of life um, chapter in John 6 where he just keeps drumming again and again and again, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part in me. And he says that over and over and over as to be nauseating, um, literally, and to the point that, that from that point forward, many found the teaching too hard and they no longer followed him. That comes out there somewhere at the end of John Six because of this stumbling block, because of this word of offense, because of this scandalizo. Um, and where it's an interesting word is, uh, is it really even all that doesn't quite get it. Um, I kind of spent a lot of time with this um, Friday and yesterday uh, reading a little bit about the word. It's got all these sort of nuanced meanings. It's, uh, it encompasses probably most most plainly just a snare no no maybe some of us are hunters and you actually use snares and all that stuff most of us don't but remember in what like bugs bunny and the big bear trap thing that lay it open or the what you know the wily e. coyote would come and step on it and it would do it that that the trigger for the bear trap that's the scandaliso um or the the uh, little trigger trigger that in a snare that's sort of a real feather weight and just the slightest thing can go off that's the scandalizo, that, that very tenuous, almost um, with a breath can be set off, like a jack-in-the-box that goes off too soon, not on the, the right note and sort of startles you. That's the scandalizo. Um, am I in a Justified, the show? That's the show I'm watching right now, and I do kind of like it. Um, a couple of, I caught up on two of them this week, so I don't know if it was three weeks ago or two weeks ago or whatever. But it was a Russian roulette scene, you know, a la the deer hunter. Pretty intense scene when it's just like, click, you know, that, that's scandaliso right there, where it's just like, is it going to go? Is it going to go? Is it going to... It was really... I mean, it actually was like this when I was watching it. It was, it was pretty well done. Um, scandaliso. Um, I have said all these things to keep you from that, from that, that, that trigger, from that snare from that pop goes the weasel, from that, um, that stumbling block, which you didn't see, and, and, it, and, it, and you, you fell into the pit. Um, that's the gospel. That's the scandaliso. That's this work of Christ speaking right now. I'm going to go on the other end of that after we watch this video um, to try to illustrate it a little bit in sort of our daily experience. 
Let me just reread with that in mind, this scandal on, this, um, uh, this trigger set from a trap, this Russian roulette, stumbling block, as it sometimes is called, or a fence, or a here, this thing which would have us fall away. Uh, uh, the gospel, this hardness of the word which says, uh, when I call you, there's a part of me that's calling you to come and die. And that's my easy and burden-free yoke. Well, obviously, there's a paradox that's going on. So come and I'm going to hit pause. Then we're going to go here and, uh, and then come back around. Really playing out this word, this Russian roulette kind of word, the scandalizo. Any thoughts so far? Gil, uh, I heard, I think it was a Keller sermon that he was talking about a snare. Hmm. And, and in the context he was using, I think it was around money, but uh, and, and certainly in some instances the snare is you're already trapped yeah. and you don't know it. And you don't know it. We're going to see it. Thank you. It's good. Um, because the whole series, one of my threads to this whole series is that we, we esteem ourselves far too highly. We do not see things as they actually are. Um, you know, we are the, the frog in the, in the water that's getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And it's like, everything's okay. No problem. You know, don't, you know. Uh, that's really this whole theme. And that's what Christ is saying. Look, above all else, Call a thing what it is, in the Gerhard Ferdy sense. Um, be able, through the eyes that I give you and the ears that I give you, to see and hear things clearly. Um, that's the start. Um, Ed Salmon, the, now the dean of Neshota House, um, and a friend of the Advent, he was here what, last year, spent some time with the staff. And as a counselor, I took great note in this. He said, look, the... Any insight, and I'm sort of real insight-oriented in my work, um, any insight, bar none, he said. So I peeked up because anybody who says always or never, I'm always interested in. Any insight, bar none, is the work of the Holy Spirit. Never, never lose sight of that. <laughs> I was like, well, there's some hope. I can, I can go there. Any insight, bar none, is the work of the Holy Spirit. Insight is, and it could be wrong, it's just, that's just that salmon, that's not the Bible, but, but I, I liked it. Um, uh, insight, the ability to see in, and God willing to see things clearly, because it doesn't do much good if we don't see things clearly. I'm in the snare and I don't even know it. Then we're going to look at something funny about an alcoholic, which is actually quite not funny at all. Um, uh, but the approach of humor, hopefully, will then sort of enlighten a little bit. Uh, of our own bondage. Thanks, Drew. That was a good and needed sort of addendum. So then, breaking that out a little bit, how do we tolerate tension? Um, now it's it's here because Christ is intentionally, you know, intensifying. He's creating a lot of tension for his disciples so that he can see the fear on their face. Is look, none of y'all are asking, you know, how come you're going away and where are you going anymore? Um, and this is why you're not asking them, because you're terrified, you're, you're terrorized, um, and I know that. And he's going to come back and say a word of comfort about the Holy Spirit. Uh, but he sees them. It's getting more and more and more clear to them. Um, uh, but of course it won't be clear until Easter. Then they will see, and he says that. So, how do we tolerate 
this tension. We can look at lots of different ways. Um, this can be, you know, think, how do we tolerate the tension that's created right there by Christ in the gospel? This word, better, but the, the interplay between the law and the gospel. Um, uh, how do we tolerate tension, you know, in a relationship with a child or with a coworker or with a spouse or with an aging parent or with yourself or anything else? You know, and there's lots of ways to begin to approach this. One, you know, the fight or flight. Um, there's another one to put on there, fight, flight, or freeze. You either sort of freeze up and paralyze. Uh, our basketball coach this year called it turtle up. That's a good phrase. You know, you just sort of, whoop, you know, and you sort of curl up and just kind of, you know, go fetal. Um, that's one way to, to deal with tension. That's one way to deal with something that's being intensified. The relational patterns. Um, when I work with couples, we're here a lot. Uh, 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 invalidation, negative interpretation, escalation, or withdrawal. If you were at the marriage retreat last year, we spoke a lot about these things. It's the work of Scott Stanley and Howard Markman. Um, negative interpretation is going to be something that's kind of key to all this because you could call a detente, you could call a freeze, you could say things are better than, than they actually are just in order to deal with it. And Christ, through the Holy Spirit, is trying to say things um, are not what you think they are oftentimes. Um, and this word from the end of the world is trying to gain some, some uh, uh, insight into that. How do we sometimes attempt to tolerate the intolerable? This tolerate these intolerable aspects of the gospel? Well, first of all, uh, we killed him. <laughs> when, he, when he said all this, um, blood is on our hands and we, uh, uh, we just escalated. We just said, just, just, just fight him. Just go out and, and, and scream for Barabbas. You know, mob mentality. We looked at some of that earlier and the way that could go. We run and we withdraw. We just say, I can't want to deal with that. Or, as I said earlier, we do this negative interpretation thing. I've got some way of kind of making it understandable to me where I can tolerate it and do it in bite size. And I don't want to go all against that. I mean, that's necessary. And the, the, the Lord could well be at work there. Um, but to play this out as a bridge to this funny, not so funny, uh, Mitchell and Webb piece, uh, helpful to always personify um, sort of that part of me that's not yet been touched by the Holy Spirit. Call him the old Adam, call him the old Gil, call him just the flesh, call him you know, that part which is old, as in the old which will one day be gone and the new has come. That sort of old, new paradigm. Uh, we can then properly say in that sense that all of us are addicted to ourselves because that aspect of us um, which is like an addict, that aspect of us which is always seeking self-preservation at any cost and will do anything to, to minimize, compartmentalize, to escalate, to obfuscate, to, uh, to invalidate, to, to fight or flee or freeze, that part of us, just like an addict, that part of us will do anything to make the intolerable somehow tolerable personify that part of us. And then this Mitchell and Webb or any other part of, of addiction, which is always such a helpful way. That's why it's a helpful paradigm to view each one of us and why it's really such a privilege for me to actually work with addicts because they start to grow in the grace of understanding in this way. Um, we all have this part of ourselves that will seek to preserve itself at any cost. And it's precisely there where the Lord's uh, work is at work, or should be at work, will be at work through this this uh, this part of of a killing.
That's the proper work of the law. That part of us, as he said, the Holy Spirit's work will come to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That needs to happen, and we beg it to come. And in fact, it's a good friend who will pray that for me, uh, because I can't pray it for myself. And this is the part where I usually cry. It's in fact a great friend who will pray that for my children, because I cannot pray for any part of my child to in fact die, even a part that needs to die, their own self-centered. That kind of pain, you know, none of us that. But if somebody in this room will love my daughters enough for this subject, you know, I would be deeply appreciative. That could be a role, that could be a theology of a godparent, I think, in fact. Um, that's, that was a freebie, I didn't mean to go there. Um, uh, so to personify this old and this new, here's a way of looking at it. It's funny, it is funny. I do want us to laugh and not to be undone. Um, but, uh, it's, it's funny because I think it's also true. Um, and if we know, or if one of us has in fact been touched uh, by someone who really is addicted to alcohol or anything else, look at the, the ways this, this guy comes into a shop um, uh, thinking he's kind of playing a game. And it's just this script that he's playing again and again and again because the addict is pursuing the one thing needful in the, in the, in the addict's mind, um, this thing about lager beer from England. Um, so let's look at this and then we'll uh, make a comment or two and open it up. Yes, that is the usual solution. 
Um, comments? Funny. A little bit of pathos that's going on. So. Some, some duo called Mitchell and Webb. I don't know what they've done. I remember I've used their, uh, it was something called homeopathic um, A&E, uh, or AE, which is what we call ER, accident emergency. And, um, I don't know if anybody remembers that. Uh, somebody came in bleeding and was like, wait, get two twist of lemon juice and then turn it around with some St. John's wort and then, you know, push it full, you know. Kind of funny. Comments? A little bit sad. I mean, maybe it's just to me because of my view, but it's, uh, it's funny. Oh, blimey. It's the most alcohol per liter, lowest cost in this whole shop. Oh, really? You don't say. Um, but the entrapment. He's in the snare. Doesn't even know it. You know, this is uh, actually not an unreasonable depiction of somebody who's probably an active addiction. Um, that kind of uh, what seems so clear to people, somebody standing on the outside uh, of their bondage and how, how ridiculous their hoops and flips and turns are, their self-justifications and rationalizations and, oh, I created this whole scenario and nobody will know. When, of course, this is completely obvious to everybody. This guy on the corner shop, see tomorrow, Hugh. Um, it's funny, but it's a little bit sad. Uh, this man has been scandalized. <laughs> this man is in the, uh, in the middle of the game, a Russian roulette, and doesn't even know it. And that's what's really sad. Now, the bridge is, and this is where, you know, you can disagree. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, we're all this man. We are all scandalized. And then somewhere, said it a couple of weeks ago that uh, parroting Paul Zoll several years ago, we're we're 80% wrong 80% of the time. We're scandalized. I don't see things clearly uh, unless I abide in Him, and He in me. I can do nothing. Um, uh, I have to have new eyes and new ears. Um, how does this work out? This is not a formula, it's not a mechanism, but three ways, and this is how I often sort of end up praying at the beginning of my classes. Um, uh, four ways just came to mind as I was thinking about this. How are we kept from falling away? Just this first verse. Uh, I have said all these things to you, as if it's now speaking not to the, to the eleven disciples, but to each one of us in the room. I have said all these things to you, to keep you from falling away, from being scandalized. Uh, how? Well, the Holy Spirit provides the eyes to see, insight. Um, any foothold towards a greater and clearer understanding of, of the way things are. I would say the three great questions. Um, who am I? Who is God? And what has God done? If we can approach any part of clarity, however it's given, towards one of those questions, it's a good thing. Um, and then secondly, uh, how do we also, are we kept from falling away? Uh, for seeing the right division, going back to the, the, uh, the painting last week that I showed between the law and the gospel, that the law, which is good, right, and holy, is not given to guide us, but to kill us. That part of us which needs judgment regarding sin 
righteousness, uh, I'm sorry, the part of us which needs conviction through the Holy Spirit of sin, righteousness, and judgment, that part of us needs killing. Um, and then the Lord's easy yoke is his promise that what he kills, he will also certainly quicken through the, through the, through the work of the gospel. Um, and then the other two, which are all both, uh, both intertwined, the living word performs its surgery, dividing us from ourselves. Um, is it T.S. Eliot's poem, The Surgeon Plies the Wounded Steel, which pierces the human heart or something like that? Um, that used to be in the bathroom, in the Advent bathrooms, so I can't remember it anymore. But so. It's funny what, how needlepoint shows up in odd places. <laughs> it? So, um, or the word interprets and knows us before, um, long before we begin to think that we interpret and know the word. That, that, that election of us before time, thanks be to God. That's where election is actually really, really, really good news. Um, so, I'm going to stop there. Um, uh, just this, avoiding the scandalisa, avoiding the offense, the offense, the, the falling away, the stumbling block, the being caught in the snare um, as poor Hugh without even being aware of it, um, doing something to crack a need, whether it's our need as a parent, as a, as a, uh, uh, with some form of, of, of addiction or with, with I mean, only just all that stuff. I mean, the same old, same old. Life's really, well, I'll stop. Comments or thoughts? Disagreements? There's a part of him, part of that, that even when you go through all of the mental gymnastics of justifying yourself, you're doing that for a reason. Hmm. Because you know, deep in your soul, that what you're doing is wrong. Mm. But you're, to go through all of those different steps, why are you trying to justify yourself? Because you know that that's not where you should be. Mm. Almost go through the steps in order to come to the end of yourself, mm-hmm. to have yourself come to the end of your rope, your world. So. I'd agree. kind of like stages of grief. I think the first is denial, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're in that, Justification, I think a lot of it is denial because there's a certain grief there because you know you, you don't want to see haven't yourself. measured up or yeah. whatever. Yeah. To that, and not not that it's what you, you not that this is what you are saying, but I'm always a little bit hesitant in making it too formulaic. I'm saying that everybody fits this grin pattern. That is a very common one that we have to go through, sort of an unmaking and undoing of ourselves, and it follows in some ways. A m- fairly predictable pattern. Um, we're not as complicated as maybe we think we are. Uh, uh, but it doesn't, doesn't always go that way. Um, that's my only caveat with that. Do you ever wish you would explain just a little bit more about the part about uh, uh, it's good for you that I'm going away now because because all we all we've been able to do in the last two thousand years is kind of postulate why that's a good thing. Yeah. It's not in, in invent ideas, which which may be true, that you know, God is delaying the time at which Jesus will come back so that more people can be brought to him. And that that may well be a sufficient explanation, but it's not the one that Jesus gives us here. He doesn't give us an explanation. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the but you cannot bear it now part 
which makes you wonder well, what, what really What's coming, yeah. The yeah. Before that. Because, you know, you got everything from the Hundred Years' War to World War One and World War Two and everything in between that, that you know, we could have just bypassed. Yeah. Millions of children that have starved to death and died horrible diseases, died from horrible diseases and all this for, for 2,000 years. And, and uh, you know, What's, what's the upside? Why, why didn't he explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, it, 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 I do wish, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the work of theology, you know, hopefully in an enlivening sense of trying to make some sense because you can't just say, well, Jesus said this. So, you know, in most instances, he's going to lead you into the truth. Uh, something we read, it's interesting. Some translations say it will lead you into all truth and then, some traditions have taken that to think that then Christians through the Bible should have an opinion on every single moral and ethical dilemma which is presented, and that's just not not so. You know, it's not a science textbook, for instance. We're not. It doesn't talk about. You know, I can't even make up the right phrase. You know, advanced genome theory, if there is such a thing, um, uh, has part in the conversation, but it's not. It's not going to break down the. Uh, the sequence of DNA. For instance, I'm off on your point, but yes, I wish you would have been more clear. And the disciples did too, because the part we didn't talk about uh, says the hour is coming. It's not even yet come, but it's about to because he's about to be killed. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, uh, and I do not uh, say to you that I will ask. In that day you shall ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and believe that I came from God. In other words, there's a day, an hour, when there'll be no more need for the mediation between the two. And I think of that in terms of Jesus saying it's better for the Holy Spirit to come, is that Jesus isn't saying that the world's going to be a better place. Mm. He's saying that uh, you are going to be better off as <coughs> believers because I, you know, God in the flesh is limited... He's in one place at one time. Yeah. Jesus is, whereas the Holy Spirit can be in is indwelling every believer all over the world at the same time. Yeah, he's loose. That's good. Yeah. Um, could be clear. Last part in picking on yours, and then we'll, we'll pray. Uh, last part of uh, of John 15 is the verse that is, is well known. It should be well known to all of us. Um, in the world, you will have tribulation or trials, but take heart. I have overcome the world. There's two indicatives there. You will have suffering, but somehow be encouraged. Take heart. Be enheartened. Um, I have overcome the world. Somehow, somewhere, it's not the last word. The word has to interpret us more than we interpret it because it's, it's a huge hope that this is a living and active word, that it's not a dead word, not a dead letter, that somehow, uh, and there I just have to back off, and I, I don't know. There's all sorts of openings here. Um, I don't know how it works, but that's sort of where I'm going, is that take heart. I have overcome the wor- world. How does that work? <coughs> the wrath of God poured out upon himself. That's the best, that's propitiation. That's another class, but that's my only, that's my response. Just, just of interest, you know, that I've overcome the world uh, is the last verse that, well, that's the verse that Tim Tebow wore uh, on his eye black for the 2009 SEC championship game for the Elders. Is that right? Yeah. 
In this world you will have trouble, but I take heart, I've overcome the world. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that. Thank you. Would you say quickly that um, for anyone to believe in Christ, that that has to be revealed to them? I would believe that. So it's um, not all just us. Yeah, it's not, let me see if I can make you squeeze your eyes hard enough and create belief. Um, yeah, I guess that kind of scares me with my children. <laughs> it's very <laughs> scary, isn't it? That's right. I would like to think, just because I bring them here every week, that they're going to catch it. They catch a cold or catch love or something like that. But um, but it's actually a word of comfort because then it releases me, even as their parent, as their steward in this life, from, gosh, the burden of, like, what if? What if I don't do this right? Then, you know, poor Margaret. <laughs> you know, thank God, in another sense, that it's not to me. It puts a lot on God. It comes back, who is God? Who is this person? If it's Zeus, I think I'm going to go fishing. Because <laughs> um, I'd rather play the odds. Um, but it's not. It's Yahweh. So it's a different deal. Lots of good questions. Um, let me pray. For the hour has come. <laughs> Lord, um, I have left so much uh, in, in my own head when I realized where I was just such weak and feeble words um, by your Holy Spirit emboldening your living and active word and making it work in each one of us, I beg. Uh, I beg that work um, here, now, in a way that's helpful, in a way that's comforting, in a way that's um, advocacy, in a way (coughs) that uh, is the work of the paraclete, the one who was called alongside of each of us in order to, to give us hope and peace that as in this world we will have trouble and trials and tribulation and suffering, um, that we can still yet be enheartened that you have overcome the world. Um, uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. See you all in two weeks.